is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to week number four of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Just a finely tuned machine we've got going here at Mission Control. Michael Remus joins me now to get ready for a big, big day. Of course, thanks to our sponsors right off the top, not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, and Breezy Bend Country Club. A big show today. Lots to get to coming out of the weekend and a lot of hockey talk for uh, on the local scene. Winnipeg Jets finishing up the three-game series with the Calgary Flames with a rubber match tonight in the Saddle Dome in Calgary. And a big weekend for the Manitoba Moose, who finally got back to action after that 11-day break in the middle of a 17-game homestand, the voice of the moose, the Fink, Daniel Fink, is going to join us coming up a little later on in the program. Um, let's get Remus in here, back from uh, the control center for Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Remo, how was the, uh, the weekend, and uh, how are you feeling? Great weekend, feeling good. Busy weekend for Jets hockey. We had Friday night against Calgary, Saturday night as well. Um, what else, what else did I get into? I fired up, uh, I said I was going to fire up MLB The Show, uh, on PS4, getting ready for opening day this week. We're going to have Keegan Matheson on tomorrow for, to preview the Jays season. Yes! Expe- expecting a, a very, very big, uh, year for the Jays here. I also made it out to, uh, the zoo on Saturday. I took my son out to the zoo, uh, saw the polar bears, saw a tiger, uh, good times all around. What's the, what's the sitch at the zoo these days? Um, it's like- great. Like lots of people. What's the? I mean, I got there at. The, how does the distancing work? Yeah, I got there. At, I mean, you're outside the whole time. I mean, there's a couple inside things like the polar bears. You go inside, so you know, wear a mask and you wear a mask when you check in. Um, I mean, I went at 10 a.m. It's once I left, it started to get a lot busier. But uh, that's. I think that's the good time to go. The animals are all out early, so 10 a.m. Parking lot got a good spot. Uh, walked around. Went with. Uh, one of my friends and his son, so a uh, nice dad's outing uh, at the zoo on a Saturday morning. Good, good well, times. What, what was the coolest animal from your perspective? And uh, I'm not sure if Evan had a favorite or not. Uh, did he have a favorite? I don't know if he had a favorite. I mean, he's only 19 months, but he knows he knows the animals. Um, the tiger was pretty cool, but I think the polar bears is, is probably the highlight. You're in the thing. They're swimming on top of you. Uh, you get a good look at, you know, good up close look at all their, you know, body parts and all everything. So, I think the pol- that I think that polar bear uh, thing exhibit is is tough to beat. Yeah, I mean for sure, that's what we're known for. I think that is certainly the highlight of the uh, the entire zoo. Well, it's nice to touch on the uh, the zoo and what's going on there to start off our uh, week on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. But we do have a lot to get to. I guess first things first. We got to give a shout out to every. It, it amazes me every single time ring we get ready to start off the program, and we have 20, 30, 40, 50 people just waiting in the lobby for us to go. Uh, so, um, you know, starting off with Sherry and Al who are in here putting in the comments section before we even got going, as well as everybody else. And I see Roger and Tom. A few people wondering about the lid. Yes, give a got to give a shout out to our, our friend Stephen Sarah over at the Peg Authentic who uh, dropped off a hat and a couple things. Sarah, a water bottle as well. Sarah, much like a few others in my life, saying uh, maybe I drink too much Diet Pepsi. Um, that's going to be tough to to maybe change up during the shows. 
Uh, but I will say, this is great. If you haven't seen um, the Peg Authentic Popeye, check them out on uh, Corden Avenue. Really great locally owned independent shop. Um, so, listen, Bombers announced a $7 million loss today. There was lots of action on the ice for the Moose and the Ice. We will talk about that as we continue the program. Uh, but let's get to the weekend against the Winnipeg Jets. And I, I have to say, Reem, coming out of the game on Friday... I had a conversations with, it really was an extension of the conversation we had on the program going into Friday night's game. But with the Jets able to get that first one in regulation, I mean, some will say the Flames are already done after that. But Saturday was one of those opportunities that, I mean, you really could have, for all intents and purposes, ended it for the Calgary Flames. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't think the Jets were as good as they were on, on Friday night. And that will happen in the second of back-to-back games. It was no Picasso. Um, but after being down early, they battled back. We'll talk about Logan Stanley's first goal and a little more Stanley love in a bit. Mason Appleton got on the board. Um, but, you know, for a team that has been held up by their goaltending all season long, um, you know, you have to just call it the way it is. Loren Brassois has been fantastic this year and has been, you know, a, a rock when the Jets have been, needed him. Unfortunately, he picked a bad time to have, I mean, one of his worst periods as a Winnipeg Jet. The goal by uh, Mangiapane that went at, that put them ahead was one that, you know, should never go in. But the Bennett goal <laughs> wasn't even going to be on net. And you just wonder, um, you know, what exactly LB was thinking when he put the paddle out and deflected it into the Jets' net. And that pretty much was the game. Yeah, I mean, g- good effort for the Jets. You go down 2-0. Uh, you battle back. You mentioned Stanley uh, with a big celebration after scoring his first career goal. I thought maybe us. I thought maybe the Flames would try to steal the puck uh, because it was his first goal. And we know <laughs> they've done that before. I was like, "Where's, where's Matthew Kachuk going to pick the puck out of the net and like toss it into the stands or something?" Because you know the Jets were maybe because they were up. Uh, the Jets did come back and tie it. So full credit to them uh, for tying it. Uh, but yeah, Brossois, I mean, every game this year Brossois has played, I have said after the game, man, this guy needs to play more. This guy's awesome. Uh, he has single-handedly won them games against the Canucks. He has been so good. The guy's allowed to have a bad period, but uh, you know, the what was it, the two third period goals, the first one, you're like, okay, you know what, maybe it got deflected off Pullman. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I can see how that can mess you up. But that one uh, was the Sam Bennett one where he put the paddle out. Uh, there's no excuse yeah. <laughs> for that. I mean, if I'm playing uh, hockey, you know, uh, in my beer league, and the goalie lets that in, it's like a sub-goalie. You're like, well, I'm not inviting that guy back. There's no way uh, after letting that one in. I mean, it was going wide. He went to stop it. I don't, I mean, try to help out the D. But uh, that is a, a tough one. It kind of killed, you know, killed the momentum for the Jets. But uh, they had chances. That's a end. bad goal to give up in. They did. That's a bad goal to give up in like nine-year-old house leak. Yes. I mean, it just simply doesn't happen. And listen, he'd be the first one to admit it. So I don't want to spend too much time. I mean, anyone that watched the game, Brassois himself knows he had a terrible period. It stunk. Um, that was a big reason why they lost the game. But to be honest, I'm not sure the Jets as a team were good enough that they really deserved to win. I mean, I do think Calgary was better. I think Calgary had a bit of a jump. In fact, Reem, maybe my highlight of the entire weekend was Daryl Sutter's media availability on Saturday. Um, You know, I thought that he would be, you know, atomic after the game on Friday. Um, He wasn't. He said that they were dopey, I believe was his term, that they used in the first period. And that was part of the reason why they, 
you know, fell behind and, you know, ended up, you know, playing catch up and not winning the hockey game. But Saturday night was Johnny Gaudreau's 500th game in the National Hockey League. And Sutter was asked, uh, you know, you've, uh, you know, played a long time, a thousand games or whatever it was. And what do you think about Johnny Gaudreau playing game number 500 tonight? And his response was, well, I hope he's got some more jump that he did in game number 499. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean... It was, I'll tell you what, I, I'm pumped that Daryl Sutter's back just from some of the entertainment we're getting from his availability so, so far. Um, but Calgary, they didn't save their season. I think they just stayed off execution for a little bit longer. Um, they're in a similar situation tonight. Going into this game, Ream, still nine points back of the Winnipeg Jets. And the Jets, of course, have a game in hand. Now, there is the Montreal Canadiens in between those two clubs, but... I mean, the Habs have only played 31 games. They've got so many more games to be played after all those games were canceled last week. Yeah, we had that. Yeah, let's go back to the Friday game. You know, I had said going into the game, uh, we were talking about who to pick. I was like, I don't trust Calgary. Uh, I'm taking the Jets. And they played a pretty solid game Friday, uh, Friday winning and Saturday's game. I mean, they only scored two goals. Tough to win when you score two as much as we want to, uh, you know, touch on Brossois' mishaps there. But... I think he'll bounce back. It was a bad game. Um, you know, they had chances to score at the end, but they were down down two, and uh, it was you know once they were down two, it was kind of kind of tough sledding. Uh, Goodrow, I mean, he started off hot, got into a bit of a slump. Uh, you know, he's a talented player, but you have to wonder for Calgary going forward if they don't make the playoffs this year. Uh, if we see some kind of shakeup, they've been running with this group for a while. Uh, Monahan's had a disappointing season. Goodrow's up and down, so. I mean, I'm not sure. And they've been rocking these lines where you got Gaudreau, Monaghan, and a third, whether, you know, Dubé, Mangiapane, Levo, and same with, you know, you got the Lindholm, Kachuk pairing. Is that what they're going to keep doing? Or do you want to go for uh, the super line? I don't think they have the depth like the Jets do to do something like that. But, I mean, you got to try something. You're, what, 36 games? You're a couple points out. Uh, Edmonton, Montreal, definitely ahead of you. Yeah, Montreal's played five less games and are, what, two points ahead of Calgary. So uh, real tough sledding, I think, for Calgary. And we do have uh, some other games in the north, including this Toronto-Edmonton game, because the Jets right now, two points back of Toronto, and they played one additional game. So and we'll be seeing Toronto playing the Jets on Wednesday. So this is a bit of a bigger week now with all the teams back in action. Yes, indeed. Um, and, you know, I'll say this about the um, uh, about Calgary. They're confounding because when they do play their best, and I don't think we've seen that at all over the last couple of games, even including their win on Saturday, um, you know, they can be a very difficult team to play against. They can be a team that, you know, can do a lot of the things that elite teams in the National Hockey League do. But, I mean, we haven't seen anything consistent from the Calgary Flames at any point this season. And, you know, I, I, I think that the writing is on the wall a little bit for this group, the core group going forward. It's hard to imagine there won't be some sort of significant change. To me, the biggest question is, you know, do the Flames win a few games over these next couple weeks and still give Brad Treleving an excuse to keep this group together? Or does a plan to maybe move some of these players potentially in the offseason get moved up? Um, because they think they might have more value being available for an extra playoff run to some other team in the National Hockey League. And, you know, essentially he's going to need to determine whether there's any point in even pushing for the playoffs or um, is their plan to move forward under Daryl Sutter with potentially some new personnel get kicked into gear within the next two weeks? Yeah, it's kind of funny because, you know, they started off hot against Daryl Sutter, then they kind of went back to their inconsistent ways. And you're like, well, is 
Daryl Sutter, he's going to be there. He signed a multi-year deal. He's not an interim head coach. So maybe he'll have some say in who sticks around, who goes. But, uh, again, really weird season for Calgary. Very inconsistent. They looked great against the Jets in the bubble. Uh, but, you know, this year haven't been able to follow it up. And also the Jets were missing uh, Shafley and, and Line in that series too, which, you know, you see the way Calgary's playing now and the way Jets are playing now. Uh, how disappointing, it you know, looking back, it is that, you know, they didn't even have a chance because they're missing uh, two of their top guys. I don't want to look too too far back. We are talking about this season. Yeah, they can get them back. Win tonight, and I mean, I'm just looking at Money Puck right now, which has NHL playoff odds. Um, Jets are at 91.4%. I'm surprised that number isn't higher, actually, and they, they probably uh, handle in a bunch of analytics, and the Jets never near the top of that with the amount of pucks that they, uh, shots they allow and, you know, obviously generate, blah, blah, blah. Montreal is at 95%. So, you know, if you believe this with the Leafs at 99.3, the Edmonton Oilers at 96.3, the Jets at 91.4, and Montreal at 95, the Jets, by this model, are the team most likely not to make it of the top four. So, I mean, a win tonight in regulation or even just getting two points tonight in Calgary probably puts them into, you know, that 95% plus. And Calgary, who comes in tonight at 14.3, probably into the single digits. So um, certainly a big game. We'll talk about it with Ken Weeb coming up in just a few minutes here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, it was a, a tough week for the Moose. Moose lost at home one nothing on Friday 5-3 yesterday afternoon. We'll talk to Dan Fink, voice of the Moose, on what he's seeing. And, you know, we'll also talk to him a little bit about what he saw in Logan Stanley over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people around the Moose that are very, very happy for the young man as he continues to show what he can do. And, uh, you know, we'll probably talk on the Bombers a little bit, too, with Ken Weeb, just on that number uh, that we've heard today on the operating loss and the plans going ahead to, uh, to next season. Um, as we get into it, before we get to Ken Weeb, um, do want to thank our sponsors, not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGilvery. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? We've got all those amazing Teslas on the lot right now and much, much more. You can find out more at not.ca as far as what's in, as well as contact a representative. And if you're thinking about getting out of a vehicle and moving into a new one, let the experts at Not help you uh, get a full rate for your vehicle with their very successful consignment program. Pop down there, tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. That's not Autocorp, Whaley and McGilvery, and not.ca. And of course, our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ Group. It is Easter week. Today is Monday. Their award-winning cake operation, headquartered out of DQ Northgate, top 10 in Canada for cake sales, and number one in Manitoba. They are ready for Easter or any of your uh, any of your festive uh, events, but particularly Easter right now. Uh, you see them online. See them um, in person. Give them a buzz. Get one of those cakes ordered and get ready for it. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to pop by at some point this week and show off what they're doing on our social media. But uh, Nick and Nikki DQ, Dairy Queen Northgate, Polo Park, Niverville, and St. Anne's. We'll have to get to a golf report for Breezy a little later on. A couple good guys getting wins on the weekend. But right now, let's get to some Jets talk. Welcoming in Sportsnet contributor K of the K&R operation going late night on Kenny and Rennie after Jets games. Mr. Wonderful himself, Ken Weeb. What's up, Kenneth? How are you? How was your weekend? Huss, great to see you. Uh, burning the midnight oil a few nights with these uh, 9 and 9.30 starts, but uh, certainly enjoying life. Lots of excitement on the ice and 
uh, doing our best on the engaging with the listeners front as you are as well. So always good to be uh, sharing the airwaves, as you know. I appreciated the grind on the weekend. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, that wouldn't have done the extra hour, hour and a bit until two in the morning after nine and nine thirty games. But uh, you got wound up there. I mean, you had an hour and a half. It was about time. It was an, at least enough time for you to answer four questions. It was. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was really good though. And both nights, I was impressed. Huss, and uh, kudos to you for st- sticking around to the end. Uh, you know I had to convince my partner, uh, Jeff Hamilton, and I had to convince him to go a little bit later on Saturday night. But uh, when you're rocking the Axl Rose and Brett Michaels headband, uh, you got you know, he got outvoted two to one, so we had to soldier on. It was great. Yeah, it was th- great fun. It certainly was. And shout out to uh, CrossFit instructor Sean Reynolds <laughs> for making some time to pop into the post-game <laughs> podcast on it. Um, if you haven't seen it so far, it's Kenny and Randy on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. Um, and actually, fill us in. You have, you have successfully convinced me. Take yep. it easy tonight. It's a Monday. I was planning on it anyways. But, um, you know, watch the game and then jump on with you guys a little later on. Now, usually the IC guys will go on right after the game, and then you and uh, you and Reynolds will get going a little bit later on. So what exactly have I agreed to do tonight, and when will it be, Ken, for the people yeah. watching? Yes, Huss, uh, we appreciate the contribution. Uh, we are going to have you uh, fill in as the Wally Pip special tonight Uh Joining Sean out of the gate at around 12.15 a.m., uh, Illegal Curve will toss it over our way, and uh, I'm going to have to see how quickly I can write so I can join the party, but uh, Hustler will be uh, will be in for me for at least half an hour, and I hope that he joins us till the end of the program, but uh, we'll see how that goes. That's totally up to you, Huss, but we're certainly glad to have your insights, and should be a fun game to break down here at the end of this seven-game road trip where, I mean, the Jets... Let's be honest, in a 17-game month, uh, we thought it would be a matter of trying them trying to sort of uh, survive. But uh, in a lot of ways, they've been able to really do a nice job. So uh, very curious to see how this one ends. I know you got a desperate team in Calgary, and you have a team in Winnipeg that is looking forward to getting home, but also knows they have the ability to end this road trip on a high note if they can buckle down a little bit here tonight. Well, Ken, let me ask you this just about these two games. I mean... We talked about it going into this three-game series about where the Jets were, where Calgary was, what had happened with Montreal. And this, you know, honestly was, I mean, a crossroads for the season for the Flames if they hadn't already made the wrong turn in Ottawa earlier in the week. You know, the Jets get that first win in regulation. Um, You know, you heard from the Flames afterwards. You heard Daryl Sutter's amazing comments on Saturday (laughs) afternoon about one Johnny Gaudreau amongst others. And knew that, I mean, the ship may have already sailed for the Calgary Flames, but it was pretty much over if they didn't get a win on Saturday night. And, you know, you kind of knew the Calgary Flames would have a big push. They did early, but to the Jets' credit, they got right back in the game. And if there's one thing Winnipeg has been able to rely on consistently all season long, it's been pretty damn good goaltending. For the first time in a long time, that wasn't the case. And that was really directly the thing we were talking about after the game on Saturday night. Yeah, it certainly was. I think that it's fair to say the Jets looked tired. They didn't generate much offensively, but uh, this was one of the rare instances when when goaltending let them down to a degree. I mean, I understand that two of those goals, I'm not in the camp that it was three softies. I think that when the puck goes off the stick of Mason Appleton, uh, that's one that I don't fault Persuas at at all. Uh, The early goal by Mangiapani is a big deflator. But it becomes a change-up because Brassois is expecting a high shot. He goes up, it hits Pullman's stick and goes under. 
I mean, that one's kind of 50-50 for me, but I, I don't think that one's as much on the goaltender. But the Sam Bennett dump in uh, in a one-goal game, that that's something that simply cannot happen, Huss. And I think he would be the first to admit that. He's been excellent for the Jets, so... Uh, I don't want to hear any about this. That's why Brassois is a backup commentary because he's been excellent for the Jets this year. Uh, but that was an off night for him. And I mean, those blaming him on the first goal. I mean, where's the defensive composure by the team? I mean, jam play by Levo, Monaghan wide open, and then Levo gets the rebound. I mean, that's a coverage error. Uh, I don't think that you can blame Brassois on that one either. But having said all that, that fourth goal was a real deflator. And it certainly cost uh, the Jets big time in that game. But having said that, there was still plenty of time to push back. And yes, they had chances with the extra attacker on. But I don't think they generated enough. And to me, that looked like a game where uh, they looked a little bit tired. Paul Maurice did not agree with my assessment that uh, it was a, it was a, the mind was willing, but the legs were not. But uh, I would expect a much crisper and sharper effort from the Jets this evening. They know they're going to get another push, as you mentioned, Huss. Calgary needs to win this game in order to stay in the race, essentially. And the Jets have another opportunity to show that that bounce back ability that they've displayed throughout the year is still on display. It took them 31 games to be beaten consecutive times in regulation. And they don't want to have a second uh, instance of that so quickly after it happened against Edmonton. Yeah, I will say, I think you're being incredibly kind on the third goal, <laughs> on the go-ahead goal, I mean, down to 50-50. But that being said, Brassois has been so good all year long. I'm just However, saying, it becomes a change-up. It, it, you're expecting it to be a full-speed shot. It hits the stick, and then, it, I mean, again, could he have made himself bigger to prevent it from going through him? Sure. But the puck did not end up where he was expecting it to go. That's all I'm saying. But I'm with you. Given how well the Jets played in the second you can't give up a goal in the opening minute of the third after you'd swung the momentum right back into their favor. Yeah, and 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 listen, I mean, I've always joked that the most two most popular <laughs> athletes in the city of Winnipeg at any given time are the Bombers' backup QB and the Jets' backup goaltender. And, you know, it's kind of funny now. We've got a quarterback that won a great cup, albeit in very strange circumstances. But more direct to this conversation, the best goaltender the Winnipeg Jets have ever had a two-time Vesna Trophy finalist, the defending Vesna Trophy winner, and yet at still at point in times, Rebus even talked about it. You'd be like, Boswell, have a good game. We'd be like, man, we got to get him in the net more. Um, there, listen, Connor, we're spoiled by Connor Hellebuck's level of play night in and night out. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of teams, probably most of them in the NHL, that look at what the Jets have in net and are envious, um, even with a blip like the third period for Boswell. No, uh, Hellebuck has been excellent. But the thing with Hellebuck is that you need Brassois to come in and fill in in those nights so that you can get Hellebuck those breaks. And that the Jets have done a great job about that. And here's the other part, Huss. Those numbers, those you know, average or pedestrian numbers we saw from Hellebuck earlier on in the year around 9-10, well, guess what? He's back up to 9-17 now and has bridged the gap. So uh, he's back at playing at a Vesna level. Uh, but again, Brassois' ability to get Hellebuck that rest has been critically important for the Jets, and they're going to need him for another, I'm not sure if it's, you know, let's say it's three to five starts for the Rangers this year to continue to keep Hellebuck sharp so that he's not worn out by the time the playoffs arrive. Um, what have you thought of the top line over the last kind of three, four games? I mean, there's a lot of talk. Well, really, I guess it was a week ago going into Vancouver sure. about, you know, there were some miserable minus numbers. They hadn't been scoring a lot, and they had unfortunately been fishing their 
the net out of their uh, the back of their net quite a bit. I, I wasn't at all surprised about a big, big game to start off the Vancouver series. But over the course of four games in a week, what did you see from the uh, Stastny Wheeler Shifley combo? Yeah, you know, Huss, it's a, it's a fair point for sure. We saw the frustration from Blake Wheeler, then we saw the response, which, as you mentioned, not a surprise given, you know, the leadership capabilities and, you know, how highly those guys hold themselves to a standard. So uh, they were excellent in driving force in that uh, Canucks game for sure. I thought the top two lines, quite frankly, Huss, did not have much jump in the uh, Saturday night game. Again, I, I think that, you know, you get a pass on that when you're playing for the, you know, 15th time in 27 days or whatever it was but I think you'll, you'll see more from the top line and that second line as well in the game uh, you also can't ignore the fact that uh, those uh, characters were right in the heart of the power play action in the first game against Calgary on Friday night sure uh, one went off Blake Wheeler's skate but they executed a perfect play uh, in terms of that high slot tip from Stastny in order for it to carry him off of Wheeler and then obviously we saw Stastny deliver the game winner on Friday so uh, at 5-on-5, five five, I think there's still some room to grow for both of those lines. I think there have been uh, signs of life from both of them. I think there have been really some stretches where they've been excellent. But I do think that that Dubois-Ehlers-Connor combo is still finding its way and feeling its way out, Huss. Uh, I think that Dubois is probably deferring maybe a little bit too much right now to Connor and Ehlers. But both those guys are are rolling in terms of scoring. So I think it's natural for that to happen. But I mean, when it comes to Dubois, since he came back from the injury coming out of the quarantine in those two games, he's been a point-of-game player. So I understand there's a lot of people think that he's underachieving. Dubois has never been a point-of-game player at the NHL level, and this is the closest that he's been. So I do understand that the, the potential for him to be even better is certainly there. And I've loved the fact that he's held himself accountable and said he has room to grow but Dubois is playing well. Yes, he can become more of a dominant force, but he's doing his job. It's just a matter of that line meshing a little bit more. And again, we're seeing some signs and glimpses of it, but just give them a little bit more runway. And I think there's some great potential uh, for them to do some amazing things. On the flip side, I know Sean Reynolds uh, has suggested that because Dubois and Wheeler clicked quite well when, when Dubois was up on the wing, might it be worth flipping Dubois and Shifley so that you get Shifley going with Ehlers, you have a little bit more speed maybe uh, on that line, maybe see how that goes. I, I don't know that Paul Maurice is necessarily going to go there next, but um, I mean, he'd be open to the possibility, but I think that he's going to stick with the top six as currently constructed and expecting those guys to continue to take steps forward. But I think it'd be something worth investigating. Yeah, and, and listen, they'll have some time to play around with a few of those things, especially, you know, once they get to a point where I think they feel that they are quite comfortable with their playoff spot. Depends on, you know, if they're pushing for first place or where things go. But, um, you know, they'll have earned an opportunity maybe to play around with a few things in those final 10, 15 games of the season if they can get the job done tonight going forward. Back to Dubois for a minute, though, Ken. And you made a great point. This is probably about 10 to 2 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning at this point, so I'm not sure how many people caught it. But I was talking and thinking about about Dubois and his situation on this line. And and I'll say one thing. You know, know, he has not been a point-of-game player before. No one on Columbus really was. It was a different style of play for the most part. And he had never been playing with players of the offensive potential of Kyle Connor or Nikolai Ehlers. Um, but I think it plays to your point of sometimes maybe deferring a little bit more, wanting to make sure that you are giving these guys opportunities to do what they can do so well. 
The other thing that blew me away, though, is you mentioned he's the youngest player on this hockey team right now. You know, there's all this talk about it being a young team and is this guy a man who they are a group of men, whatnot. Well, Dubois sure looks like a man out there, but he is, in fact, the youngest player. And there is still growth in his game that I think we're seeing. Yeah, bang on, Huss. And I think, too, it, it not only caught fans by surprise, I think it caught members of the media by surprise when Dubois brought it up in his press availability, saying, I think I am a little bit younger than Logan Stanley. And when you can consider the debate that's been going on with Logan Stanley and how long it's taken him to get to the NHL, well, now you're having a look and remembering that, holy smokes, Dubois is actually younger than Logan Stanley, yet we're expecting him to be a point-of-game player at the NHL level. Uh, you're right, Huss. In terms of his strength and his board play, it's been exceptional. He rarely loses a puck battle because of that strength. But, I mean, I do think that there is still some room for him to grow when it comes to his offensive game. And I think there have been times when he's been able to impose his will on a game. But when you play with guys like Ehlers and Connor with that exceptional speed, I think it's just a matter of them just just getting more and more comfortable with one another. So, And I think this is the other part, Huss. The thing with Dubois, when the games get more important, his game elevates. His ability to rise up when the time is, is necessary or the time is right if you're if you're in the Jets organization, I think that's where you're going to see it. You're going to see those efforts like you saw against Austin Matthews in the bubble where he has a hat trick and, you know, he puts the team kind of carries them. That's the big thing, Huss. I mean, there haven't been enough nights for the Jets where the top two lines have been absolutely clicking on sil- on all cylinders together. So when that happens, I think that they become a far more dynamic team. But because of the emergence of that third line, Lowry, Appleton, and Cop, they haven't had to have, they've still had results despite the fact that they haven't had a lot of nights where that top nine has all been rolling at the same time. No, that's a great point. Ken Weeb joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you mentioned Stanley, and it's funny, coming into this program, Ken, <laughs> I got a bunch of texts on the weekend because there were some articles on some stuff that we'd been talking over the course of the past week, and I realized like, I was under pressure from our listeners <laughs> for another hot Logan Stanley take. Two weeks ago today in our episode six was... I guess right after Bolio got hurt, Stanley had played the one game, and that was the uh, that was the hot take that it doesn't matter. Once Bolio is healthy, he's will be Wally pipped by by Logan Stanley. Like Logan Stanley's going into the lineup, and he's not coming out. That was that was the first take. Fast forward to next last Monday, and we had we had proceeded well down the uh, the rabbit <laughs> hole of Stanley. And it was no longer is he just in the lineup, but he's going to be protected in the expansion draft. Um, and we talked about that quite a bit, and a lot of people did over the course of the past week. I, I don't, I, I'm not able to raise the stakes today uh, <laughs> more than last Monday, but I will say another great week for Logan Stanley. And it seemed like sooner or later one of these shots was going to come and um man you couldn't write up a better the only thing that he needed more than the goal was maybe to have it come in a win so it came with a better memory but holy smokes was that a heck of a way to get your first in the national hockey league (laughs) no doubt about that Huss. uh he's shown that innate ability to get it through from the point but uh for all the people that were saying well those aren't dangerous shots well he showed what kind of shot that he has when he takes a couple slip steps in towards the slot area. That was a bar down special on David Riddick. And uh, 
the guttural, the guttural ro- roar that he let out after that, as I wrote in the, my, in my Sunday column in sportsnet.ca, uh, that was quite something. Uh, I think that uh, that was a lot of pent-up energy uh, from a guy who probably, quite frankly, had gotten pretty tired of the narrative surrounding him. And you know what, Hus? This is a great example on what to do in terms of dealing with the challenging situation. He did whatever was necessary. He got himself ready. He put himself in a position to to quiet some of those doubters, Hus. And I think that give, you got to give full credit to a guy for being able to block out all of that noise at such a young age with all that pressure on him and finding a way to be a you know a contributor. And and now he's shown an offensive flair to his game. I think the one thing that people kind of misconstrue when it comes to Logan Stanley is that because he's six foot seven and you know, probably going to be a 235 or 235 plus player is that he has to be this big bruiser, a guy that's just a physical force. But I think some of Stanley's best qualities are his passing ability and his shot. So he's a guy that can give you some offense, Huss. I think that uh, Jamie Alexiak is a good comparison for him. There's there's so few guys at that height and weight level that are able to become contributors. It took Alexiak, I think, three or four years to become regular as well. He was a first-rounder in 2011, I think 14th overall, had to change organizations, came back to Dallas. He was a really important part of that team that went to the final last year, Us, And I think there's a good comparison there. And uh, I've got Jamie Alexiak on one of my under-the-radar kind of trade boards uh, uh, coming up here this week. So I think that he'd be a great mentor for Logan Stanley. And he's also a great comparison for a guy that, if you give him a little bit of time, he can show you what he can do and, and what he can bring to the table. Okay, let me ask you this, Ken, because you know part of my theory or the thesis for why I'm, I will go on record saying they're not letting Stanley get picked in the expansion draft is everything that they put into him. Um, and I've told this story many times on the show before, and even now I talked to Mark Hillier on the draft floor the day he was selected, and he told us, guys, this is a very different pick. He's going to be in junior for two more years. Then he's going to play in the American League for two years. And at that point, after four years, we'll see what we've got in Logan Stanley, and we'll know. So that that season is here. I mean, that was two years with the Moose. That was two years in junior. And now here we are. He was two years away from being two years away, and here we are. So he's playing well. And, I mean, the organization's put so much into him, and I think you're seeing the tantalizing potential that's all part of why I think he's going to get kept. My question for you is, though, how surprising is this to the organization that he is doing this the way he's doing it right now? Because if you go back to training camp, he started off in the B group. Everyone was talking about Hanela and Sandberg. I mean, it. this is kind of crazy that we're having these conversations today considering where Logan Stanley started the year. So... Has Stanley surprised the Jets organization, or was this uh, was this opportunity going to be there for him? It just didn't look that way when everyone got to the peg. Yeah, Hussey, it was always a, a long-range play for the Jets, for sure. I think that going into the year, I think it's fair to assume that without the taxi squad scenario, I think it would have been reasonable to accept, expect Logan Stanley to need some additional time in the American League this year. But because of the extended offseason and the work that he was able to put in, he was able to jump a couple of pegs on the depth chart after Lucas Spiza was claimed off waivers and then after Tucker Pullman went down with COVID. Uh, I do think that he is a little bit ahead of their progression. I understand that sounds crazy to some folks that wanted him here five minutes ago. And I mean, as Pascal Vincent encapsulated it perfectly on the Illegal Curve show this weekend, us, it's the Amazon effect 
you order people order it and they expect it to arrive on their doorstep the next day this was always going to be that you know over time long range development i do think he's a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of that 4 to 5 year plan but the problem is that a lot of people saw Sam Gerard, you know, being in the Norris conversation with Colorado and saying, well, the Jets messed up because they didn't pick Gerard. I mean, we know that all these people develop at a different time. Huh? So I'm with you in terms of, you know, opportunity and, and cost investment and all those sorts of things. Stanley has certainly put himself into the discussion for the expansion draft with his play. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens a with the trade deadline and B. How was Dylan DeMello used during the stretch run? For the most part, he's been used as a third line or third pairing guy. So there you go. I mean, he's also got this played on the top pairing. So we'll see how that shakes down. And I think that ultimately will determine whether the Jets have to make a side deal or or whether it's a coin flip for those two guys. But the simple fact that Stanley has put himself into the, the discussion of being someone the Jets may have to protect, that tells you a lot about A, the road that he's taken to get here, and B, what the potential might be. Sure, he's been sheltered on the third pairing, but that doesn't mean that he can't grow into a top four defenseman. Of course he could grow into a top four defenseman. Watch what he's done in the last year. I mean, Huss, I watched him at the end of the Moose season last year. I also watched him at the under-18s in Grand Forks. This is a guy that has great potential. What that potential is... We'll see. It isn't necessarily as a shutdown defender, but he could be a six foot seven guy with some offensive capabilities playing on a twin towers pairing with Dylan Sandberg. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. So I'm with you. There is a lot more potential here, but let's give this a little bit run more runway too to see before we're making I mean, I love the I love the confidence and the take and the declaration, but Well let me ask you this. What would what would it take for him to be like like I just can't see a scenario where they are fine with letting him go. I mean, what what would need to take? What would what would need to happen in your mind, Ken, for Logan Stanley to be available to the Seattle Kraken on expansion draft day? Sure. I mean, Huss, the only thing here that we need to remember, and I'm with you. I mean, there's there would be a fear for him continuing to grow somewhere else. But the jet, the one area that the Jets have some backing in terms of their depth is left defense. Whether that's Hanela, Samberg, and they also have had a great year from Declan Chisholm. So that might be something that comes into consideration as well. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, right now, it, it would be easier to replace a third-pairing defenseman. I think that DeMello has more potential than just a third-pairing defenseman, but the fact that they're a little bit thinner on the right side right now could be a factor in the discussion, which, again, may lead to a side deal instead. I, I do think the Jets want to keep Stanley, but it isn't necessarily going to be a Stanley versus DeMello scenario. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it'll give us lots to talk about for the next few months. <laughs> it sure will. Go forward. Um, short term, we're a couple of, uh, weeks away from the trade deadline. I know you've been doing some digging around on the weekend, uh, hearing anything, and um, give us your, uh, in your, in Weeb's world mind, um, <laughs> what would, give us kind of your top three targets for the Winnipeg Jets, and who do you think might be more realistic to end up here in the peg? Sure, Huss. I mean, the wildest development of all uh, is that the Nashville Predators woke up today in a playoff spot. So Matthias Ekholm, the number one target for the Jets and probably three other teams, is conceivably either off the board or the price tag is going to a ridiculous level because David Poyle sitting here saying, well, if you want him, you're going to have to ante up. So I think I'm not saying he's completely off the board, but I think it's becoming less likely that he's on the move. So that leads me to a tier that includes uh, Josh Manson of the Anaheim Ducks, 
Uh, I mentioned Jamie Alexiak. And now with, you know, with things being kind of in shambles with the Columbus Blue Jackets again, I think that David Savard is suddenly back potentially on the radar for the Jets and some other teams. And again, before I would have said, go all in on Ekholm, bring in a guy for two playoff runs. Now, based on what we're talking about with DeMello and Stanley, now I think it's more likely the Jets will probably go after a pending unrestricted free agent so that it doesn't complicate uh, their expansion plans. Having said that, I do think that Manson is a guy that they would be open to you know, having these discussions about. But Manson, I think, has a 12-team trade, uh, no trade clause. He's just back from an oblique injury. But in speaking with some people in Anaheim, his second game with the Ducks was back to that John Josh Manson. We're used to seeing that big, strong, physical, mobile guy uh, who I could see as a perfect partner uh, for Josh Morrissey during the stretch run. I also think that David Savard would, would fit that bill as well. All right, Ken. Um you know, the Columbus situation, I was going to talk Oof. about that with Remus at the beginning of the of the show. We sort of got into Jets talk. I mean, just thoughts on where Columbus is right now. And it, it's sort of strange. We were hearing these reports that Line is going to sign a big money one-year deal right now. Um, like, is Tortorella going to last? And, I mean, how much longer will Patrick Line be a part of a, a sinking ship in Columbus? It's got to be miserable for the guy right now. Yeah, Huss, I mean, this has been one of the strangest developments. Uh, man, I, there's got to be something coming to a head. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's tough to envision at this stage. Things can change quickly in the NHL, we know, but it's tough to envision the relationship with John Tortorella improving to the point where Patrick Liney is willing to sign an eight-year deal uh, with Columbus. Uh, having said that, I think they're going to at least go through next season um, and see where things go. But, I, I mean, they could have a complete overhaul in Columbus. I mean, could Yarmo Kekalainen survive this if they, you know, continue to falter down the stretch? I don't know. Um, I mean, Tortorella's in the last year of his deal. Uh, it's been very strange. And, I mean, I know some some Jets fans are taking some joy in Line's struggles. I, I don't know why that is. I mean, um, for me, it's it seems a little bit odd. I mean, I'm not telling people how they should feel, but... Um, I don't know. This is a guy that you know, loves hockey. And as you mentioned, us, it, it looks pretty obvious that he's not enjoying himself uh, very much. And uh, it, it's, you know, and quite frankly, it, you know, it's you know, difficult to, to see someone go through those kinds of struggles. But I mean, again, same thing we've been talking about, about Dubois. Patrick Line is 22 years old. I understand he had a 44 goal season already and almost won the Rocket Richard trophy. I expect Patrick Line's best hockey is ahead of him, whether that's going to be in Columbus or somewhere else. Uh, remains to be seen, but uh, I expect him to find a way to get into a groove because we've seen him hit some low points and valleys before, but we've also seen some pretty impressive peaks. And I think that given his uh, you know work ethic and and willingness to want to become uh, one of the elite goal scorers in, of his generation, I think he's going to find a way to get it turned around. Um, Ken, just one more tidbit on the expansion draft because it does kind of relate into the upcoming trade deadline. The Jets, as of right now, still aren't compliant for for the uh, the deal. They either need Jansen Harkins to play, I think, eighteen games. It certainly doesn't look like that's going to happen. I mean, they could bring Don Dominic Toninato in and get Toninato five games, I believe, is what he needs, and then they would be compliant, signed for next year. But let's assume that that doesn't happen because it doesn't seem like either are very realistic right now. How do you see the team going forward? Do they acquire somebody at the deadline that then can be exposed that makes them compliant? Or is it more likely that they go to a guy like a Trevor Lewis and say, you know what, let's do a one-year extension. Um, you will be exposed, um, more likely than not with your age, that you'll be here and you'll have another year in Winnipeg. How do you see that playing out? 
Yeah, there's a few options, Hassan. I think that the one you mentioned with Lewis is, would certainly be a possibility based on how it's gone this year. I, I think that uh, the, the other thing that you mentioned, I just wrote about in my weekly CGOB column that just went up. Uh, I do think that it, it would be a consideration at the trade deadline, Huss. I think that if they're looking at a defenseman, uh, maybe as part of the package, there's a throw in a guy who it would be compliant or a guy who's on a one-year deal uh, you know, through, through next season or an RFA. So I do think that those are all scenarios the Jets will be looking at. I mean, again, this is more of a depth player you're looking at, but it would give them some control and some flexibility. And it would also give them a bit of an insurance policy. We know that, you know, Daniel Fink will be coming up talking about the Moose prospects. Oh, Ken, this has been a great conversation. We could go a lot longer, but as you mentioned, Dan Fink is going to join us. We'll catch up on uh, the Manitoba Moose, what's going on with them in the middle of this uh, insanely long homestand. Um, once again, how can people find Kenny and Rennie? Um, and when will the highlight of all time on Kenny of Rennie happen tonight when I take your spot for half an hour while you while you are writing your article for sportsnet.ca? Yes, sir. Andrew Hustler-Patterson, special guest, uh, 12.15 a.m. on uh, our Kenny and Rennie YouTube page. You'll also be able to see it live on uh, Twitter slash Periscope and Facebook Live. But uh, look, thanks for joining us in advance. Us always good to share the airwaves and uh, looking forward to tonight. I will talk to you later on, my friend. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Have a great one, Huss, and uh, have a great spot, Daniel. We'll talk to you later on tonight. There is the one and only Weeb's World. Yes, Kenny and Rennie tonight. The IC guys will uh, probably go on for half an hour or so after the game. Then I'll jump on with Sean, and uh, we'll see whenever Ken is able to join us. Um, Quickly want to tell you, our good friends at Royal Sports, our original sponsors, are open. Popped into the store on the weekend. If you didn't see the video I did, uh, it's a perfect little tour of what you've been missing if you've never been into Royal Sports. But man, the guys are ready for spring. Um, they've got there's like a worldwide bicycle shortage. They're still getting some in. They've got some e-bikes starting at thirteen fifty. If you can believe that, um, when whether it's soccer, baseball, the incredible new fitness department, the shoe wall, it's all there for you at Royal Sports. So uh, you want to get ready for spring? Maybe pick up some nice merch, licensed gear. You can do it all in one spot. Royal Sports, seven fifty Pemina Highway. And a 650 rally in EK. And of course, it is a game night. Why not fuel up with Boston pizza? You can get the game night special with the spicy pierogi, the meteor pizza, the case of wings, or take advantage of the call your shot promo with the pizza flights that are going on right now. I tried those last week, they were amazing. $18.99, three pizzas, three dips. And you'll also get a chance to enter to win a backyard ODR built for you next year, a VIP NHL experience, Boston Pizza gift cards. That's all available. And you can do it for takeout or delivery as well. I'll find out more at bostonpizza.com and follow them online at Boston Pizza Winnipeg. All right, let's continue talking hockey, focusing on the local squads. Wasn't a great weekend for the Manitoba Moose on the scoreboard, but I'm sure for everyone in the organization, they were just happy to get a game again after an 11-day break. Let's welcome in the voice of the Manitoba Moose, none other than Daniel Fink. Fink, what's going on? It's great to talk to you again, my man. It's been a while, Huss. Good to see you. Oh, this is you sound amazing. Uh, this is now you're right up there with Zig Fracassi is the best sounding guest we have ever had. Uh, and, oh, you know, go. you've got the mic ID as well. You're live in the rink. This is exactly the way we like to do it here on Winnipeg always, Sports Talk. Always on brand, Huss. Always <laughs> on brand. Um, how's it been going so far? This has been a, um, an absolutely bizarre year for everyone, no matter what you've been doing. There are huge questions as to what would 
even happen with the American Hockey League. Um, take us through the last few months for you and the people you work with that led to getting back on the ice and uh, how, even though it's very different, you're not at Bell MTS Place playing games right now, just how great it is to have the team back on the ice and the Jet Prospects getting very valuable experience. How long's the show, Huss? How long do I have here? <laughs> a letter rip, Fink. One, one, one question, and that's the whole interview. Uh, it's been, it's been an incredible. Well, we're over a year now, I guess, since we we shut things down. And uh, man, if you told me uh, what would transpire, I guess it was March twelfth. We got on a plane, or we got out of bed at about three in the morning, head to the airport. Of course, that night was the big night before on March eleventh. And we all were feeling, well, what's going to happen here? So we get on a plane that morning and make it to about Minnesota. We're on the way to Milwaukee, sounding like things are going to get shut down, but we couldn't stop there. So we get to Milwaukee. Coaches call everybody into the dressing room. Yeah, we're going to push pause on the season here. And so we all turned around and came home. That was a 20-hour travel day um, to get down to Milwaukee and back. But then, uh, yeah, so then everybody knows what happened next. And it was quite the... uh, Quite the summer, I mean, to f- just even for, for the staff, uh, aside from hockey, to get through and learn all sorts of new ways to get things done. I mean, all of a sudden we became Zoom aficionados and uh, <laughs> we're coming up with new ways to, to engage with the players that I think we're all going to be a lot better for. I mean, there's as terrible as everything has been through this pandemic, we have learned so much in, in not just our industry and so many others that uh, is going to benefit us going forward. But, I mean, bringing it back to hockey, I mean – the the American Hockey League schedule started and we still didn't even have a schedule for the Canadian division. We started <laughs> camp. We still didn't have a schedule. I mean, there was there was an incomplete one floating around out there, but I mean, every day everyone's asking, when are you when are you gonna get a schedule? It's like, well, soon, we hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um uh, yeah, exactly. So once everything finally got in, my goodness, that and it didn't really hit me until I kind of plopped into my seat, probably about an hour and a half before game time. Everything set up, throw the headset on, look down at the ice at Bell MTS Place and go, we've got a hockey game coming up. And, th- and then it hit, the heart starts pounding. You're like, oh, my goodness. I haven't had the second to think about how amazing this is. We've, it's been almost a year and we have a game coming up and then the, the puck dropped and we're, we're off and running for 16 games in 27 days. So uh, it's, been, it's been quite the season so far. I don't know if uh, what I expected coming into it, but... It, this Moose team has made it an absolute joy coming to the rink every day. And you see that talking to the guys, you see it talking to the coaching staff. I mean, even to start the season, they didn't necessarily have those guys like your Christian Veselainen and, and David Gustafson. Yes, there were some top prospects. Cole Perfetti, a nice surprise to have in the lineup as well. Wouldn't see that in a normal year. But my goodness, this team just works and works. And it's a bunch of guys who are happy to be here. And uh, it's... It hasn't necessarily, you look at the record, they're a game under 500 right now, um, but they have been in every single game. Just two games this season out of the 19 that they've played have been separated by more than two goals, win or lose. So it's been exciting. It's been a lot of fun to be a part of. And coming into a season where we had no idea what to expect, I, I don't know if we could have asked for better so far. Well, and we say the same thing here on Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, and people in the chat as well. The Mike logo, the matching fleece, a great background, the <laughs> consummate professional time as Fink joins us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, so now you're on the ice. Just a quick word on the schedule because we knew that things would be a little different this year. Um, and we knew that there'd be some really unique challenges with travel, especially at the American Hockey League level. But 
I've never seen in my life a 17 game homestand. I can never remember an 11 day break in the middle of a homestand. Um, it is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically you guys did one long road trip, came back for two months, and you go back on the road for a trip, and that's the season. Am I missing anything? No, that's that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's well, when you only got a 36 game schedule, it goes quick. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I haven't been able to confirm with the league or anything like that. If, it, if the 17 game homestand is a record, I'm kind of assuming it is, but it's the American hockey league. So who knows? There's going to be somebody back in 1940 something or something like that, that played 17 consecutive games at home. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. And of course you can see the, the ice plex behind me here with the with the band background so uh that's been an added wrinkle as well to, to play out here at iceplex and uh the, the schedule is interesting i mean four game sets and then all of a sudden after they're done with laval here they'll have another break play against laval and then it'll be a five game set against stockton so it's uh it's an interesting schedule the moose are through probably the toughest part of that schedule where they had to play the 16 games in 27 days now it's a set then a few days off a set and then maybe 10 days off um and then they'll have a quick quick road trip at the end so it's uh, it's a weird schedule i think they're through the toughest part and so now they're able to get a little bit of rest and and maybe focus a little more in on each group as it comes along and the coaching staff has an opportunity to really break down games and break down daniel fink is the play-by-play voice of the manitoba moose you can hear some of the games on cgob some of them's on cgob.com you can get all your information on all things moose at moosehockey.com let's talk about some of the players i i think for most jet fans that you know of course with I mean, you don't have a chance to be at these games right now. And there's a lot of hockey if you're following the big club. Everyone, though, is interested in a number of players, especially Vili Hainala and Dylan Sandberg. Let's talk about those two prize defense prospects and what you've seen from them through uh, this point of the AHL season. Before I get into that, I'm going to get into my one sell point that despite you can't come to the games, you can watch them on AHLTV.com with a subscription. And it's a pretty reasonable price to get you to get you access to if you want every AHL game this season, but especially the Moose games. So uh, an opportunity there to see all those guys. OK, Sandberg and Hanela, I mean, they're they're good. Is that that what you're looking for? <laughs> but uh, they're they're I mean, they're exciting young players. Um I mean, you look at Billy Hainala, and he's a bit of an interesting case because I think when when you get a guy like him who excels and shows well at the NHL level, I mean, it's a small sample size, but everyone was excited by that, of course. Drops into the AHL, and there's a bit of an adjustment period. Pascal Vincent will talk about this all the time. For Everyone's where they're supposed to be pretty much all the time in the NHL, and that makes it a lot easier on defensemen. You come down to the AHL, there's a little bit more chaos out there so it can be an adjustment especially for those guys in the back end i think philly hanela went up through a bit of that uh when he got in but you start to appreciate the more you watch him the little things that he does and he's not necessarily i mean if you're going to compare him to another finished defenseman in the ahl he's not like sammy niku who you can't take your eyes off of because he's flying all over the ice the flow's going behind him <laughs> he's dangling through guys Villy's a little more of a subtle player and you start to appreciate, especially now that we've seen a couple games without Hanela in the lineup as he went up to the taxi squad, the little things that he does in his own end, the reads that he makes, the pucks that he takes away, the sticks that he gets his on. He's not an overly physical guy, but he gets in the way. He makes these plays, picks his way up, finds the space coming up the ice, great breakout passes. And you start to appreciate just how well-rounded of a player he is going to become and the career that he has in front of him. And it's it's 
exciting to see. And I wish we could see him a little more with the moose here in the, in the near future, but uh, we'll, we'll wait hopefully to, to have that opportunity, whether he's with the jets or the moose to see him on the ice soon again. And for Sandberg, a totally different player. Um, here's a guy he uh, starting to throw the body around a little more. He absolutely, and it, it's unfortunate because Jan Mishak ended up on the wrong side of this hit and had to leave the game, but he absolutely crushed Mishak. It was uh, it was a hit that, I mean, in, in real time, it was tough to see. It was it was maybe a little borderline as Mishak fell a little bit, kind of going into it, but. Uh, if Mishak doesn't move at that last moment, it's a good shoulder on shoulder, perfect hit. And uh, the, the weight that he brings to his game with for Sandberg, he's a big guy. He's heavy pins guys to the wall. Uh, he can move decently well as well. And uh, it moves the puck decently as any like young guy that you got coming into the lineup, obviously a little bit more of a raw prospect coming out of college. And uh, he's definitely taking some time to find his way, but as he gets more comfortable in his own end, starting to see a little bit of that offense coming, hit the post the other night, in the final 30 seconds as the moose were looking to tie things up Had a really good chance, shorthanded last night. And he's just making these little plays at the blue line now to, to change the angle a couple of times. So it's been a lot of fun to watch his development as well from more of a, a raw prospect to starting to really settle in through his first 20 pro games. Well, and Dan, you touched on Perfetti a little earlier, and you make a great point. Under normal circumstances, he would not be allowed to play in the American Hockey League. And I can tell you as someone that, you know, was working with the Moose as we transitioned to the American Hockey League and were were there for the first few years, there was always that discussion. Should NHL teams be be allowed to, you know, send a top player, a first-rounder that, you know, in some cases can play in the AHL, but it's from the Canadian Hockey League, to the American Hockey League to help them develop against men as opposed to playing in junior. And, you know, the debate goes back and forth, you know, because there is an agreement with the Canadian Hockey League, and that's why those rules are what they are. But certainly there are people in probably most NHL organizations that would love to have that option for Canadians. With that being the background, this is a unique opportunity, especially without the OHL playing. Um he looks every bit a young man that would belong in junior hockey. Uh, be hard pressed to find a baby face like that in many pro teams. Um, but how is he fitting in? How is he enjoying being part of the Manitoba Moose right now? And how much is he benefiting from playing against you know older, more experienced AHL competition this season? Yeah, I'm sure Eric Comrie was happy to hand off that young guy looking crown to Perfetti <laughs> here this year. Um, yeah, and for for Perfetti, it is it is quite the opportunity. And in talking to Pascal Vincent, talking to Craig Heisinger, uh, they're ecstatic that he's had this opportunity. Obviously, we'd, we'd rather see that the OHL is playing right now because there's a lot of players in that league and a lot of staff for those teams who want to be on the ice, who want to be playing. Unfortunately, the circumstances just not playing out that way. So uh, like we were talking about kind of off the top of the interview, with all the bad stuff that's come along with this pandemic, there's there's been some there's been some nice uh, silver linings as well, and that's Cole Perfetti, guys like Quentin Byfield, Seth Jarvis, all get to play in the AHL this year and get a taste of the pro life. And for some of them, it's it's been more than just a taste. So, uh, for Perfetti, I mean, he he's a guy, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you can see the skill that's it's it's there. <laughs> he's a tenth overall pick, and he looks every bit the part. So. Um, there's definitely adjustments and he'll be the first to tell you he's told us multiple times adjusting to the speed the size of the players i think we noticed that early on in the face-off dot where it was a bit of a struggle on a nightly basis for him and, and he was learning his way and we talked about that uh in an interview recently and he 
he's such a well-spoken kid that he can really break everything down for you and went through what he had to learn about taking faceoffs. And now we're seeing him winning his fair share and the Moose getting really solid in the dot when they have guys like David Gustafson, CJ Cease to help him along as well. There's so many great options for Perfetti to learn from. He's been playing with Marco Dano on his wing. And if you need a guy to learn about hard nose straight line hockey, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's many better options than Marco Danos. So uh, it's been a great opportunity for for Cole to to learn the pro game to to really maybe jumpstart his his development because uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him for a long time and uh, we're pretty happy that we could see him here with the Moose this season. Amazing comment from David F in the chat, Fink <laughs> on uh, on to Comrie and Perfetti oh look like what you'd see when your paper boy ages out and is handing off his route <laughs> to a slightly younger new kid. <laughs> that's a, David, that's a pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good, that's, accurate assessment. Um, if, if only we knew what paper boys were yeah. anymore. That's a, that's that you're dating yourself there, David F. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, let's I, listen. I we could ask and talk about every player on the roster, and it would take us four hours. And I'd love to do that. And we'll have to do this more often. But for Jet fans that have not been following the Moose, we've talked about some of the bigger names that you know the the top prospects, the first rounders. Give us a player or two that has stood out to you this year that has maybe uh, really helped their place in the organization through this uh, many games. You know me, Huss. This is always my favorite part. Um, yeah, we all we all know the big names, the draft picks coming through, but the AHL every year is a place where you can find hidden gems and guys will take an opportunity and run with it. And I don't know if there's anybody in the AHL right now who has taken their opportunity and, and gone forward with it than Nathan Todd. Here's a guy who scored one goal in 20 games in the American Hockey League last year. He'd had plenty of success at the ECHL level, but hadn't quite put it together in the AHL. And my goodness, did he take off at the start of the season. He actually ended up leading the AHL in scoring overall. He was sitting at the top of the leaderboard for an entire week. He had 16 points in his first, I want to say it was 13, 14 games. Uh, It was an unbelievable start to the season for Todd. He's still dangerous every night. He had a bit of a cold. Bit, bit of a cold streak for him to actually get on the scoreboard. He's hit a couple of posts over the last while, but you look at him every shift he's out there. He's dangerous. He's on the power play doing great things, and he's been so much fun to watch. A great down-to-earth guy uh, that, that you, can't, you can't be happier for, and it's been a lot of fun to watch him play. Along with him on his wing right now, Jeff Malott. Mm-hmm. Here's a rookie coming out of uh, Cornell and had scored six goals each of the last four seasons in college hockey. Well, he was leading American Hockey League rookies in goal scoring coming into this weekend with eight on the season already. So there's another guy who has been really impressive, a big body, can really shoot the puck, uh, showing off flashes of skill. And it's been a lot of fun to watch these two guys really take their opportunity because in a normal year, here's a couple of guys that might have been starting out in the ECHL and might have not had that opportunity or they'd be coming in and out of the lineup. But because of the holes that were there at the start of the season, the guys on the taxi squad, things like that, they got their chance and they haven't looked back and they have given the Moose a lot of depth and a lot of great scoring throughout the early part of the season. Uh, I, I have to ask about Chisholm. A few people in the chat have brought up Declan Chisholm. Um, he was a guy, an exciting junior prospect. Now he's getting used to uh, American League hockey, putting up some numbers. Uh, how's he been fitting into the blue line and what have you seen from him? 
Well, you know, you expect the offense sometimes to, to take a little bit to get going for some of these younger players. But uh, for Declan Chisholm coming off the blue line, I think he's impressed in that uh, he hasn't looked out of place at all. And through 19 games, he's got eight points, two goals, six assists. He's been logging power play time, 28 shots on goal. So he's been dangerous coming up the ice. He's had a few good opportunities to, to add to that goal scoring total. He's been getting out there in overtime in three on three. So mm-hmm. he's been a lot of fun to watch. And it really is a plethora of options for the moose when it comes to those young defensemen. And it's been a lot of fun to watch them grow. Fink, I'm just looking at the schedule. Now you guys are back at it tomorrow at four o'clock. Yes, you have sir. another week off after that game. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. And well, that's, it's like five days or six days, I think. And then we play five or four games against Belleville. And then it's another big run of games off. So the, the, why this is happening is there's five teams right now in the Canadian division. So, you have an uneven number of teams. You have an even number of teams playing against each other's series. So the 12-day break yeah. basically is two bye weeks stacked together. And then we get another bye week. So you, you got to keep these teams playing against each other con- consistently. You don't want too much moving around in case you have some sort of uh, issue with COVID. So it's all about safety. That's the biggest thing. And uh, it's resulted in a bit of an odd schedule. Obviously, Stockton joining the fray pretty late in the process through a bit of a wrench into things too. But uh, everyone's got it all sorted out. And uh, yeah, the, the schedule is a little weird. But uh, you know what? It's not terrible to be able to put your feet up for a week either. No, no. Hey, and, and you know what? It's great for Pascal to be be able to keep on practicing and you know working through with so many of these young players i mean there certainly will be some benefits to it daniel fink is the voice of the manitoba moose with us here on winnipeg sports talk daily so tomorrow four o'clock it'll be nice we'll finish up wst daily and then uh, get ready for some moose hockey before another week off fill people in dan on where they can hear you and your broadcast tomorrow and throughout the season and anything else that uh, moose and jets fans should know uh, as far as content coming out from you and the guys i will put it out there that for the four o'clock is an elite game time <laughs> there's no morning skate there's you're out of the rink early it's it's great i realize it's not maybe the most ideal time for the fans but uh the communications team all over it uh yeah so uh, we'll get going at uh, 3 45 derek meach gonna be joining me on the broadcast tomorrow on color commentary you can catch us on cjob.com slash sports it's the best way to get there or hit moosehockey.com slash listen live that'll get you to the stream as well and again if you're interested in checking it out ahltv.com if you want to watch the game we actually blew a window out uh, kind of messed up on the camera here <laughs> the mirror imaging but blew a window out of the wall to get a better camera angle so stopping at nothing to get the best look for the fans here throughout our, our stay at iceplex so uh yeah it's uh, it's a great time we've been having some fun games everything's been close and man the last couple of games against Laval have been uh, wild, or last three games against Laval have been wild. It's going to be probably a pretty nasty affair, pretty physical. Uh, so I implore you to check it out. Well, I, I tell you what, we uh, as Winnipeg hockey fans that still love to listen to games on the radio, we are spoiled right now because, um, for my money, Paul Edmonds is one of the best to do it anywhere, and uh, you are just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal play-by-play voice for the Manitoba Moose. So, uh they're lucky over uh, over at the HQ to have both you guys on board. And uh, as fans, we're lucky to have you guys doing it. Dan, we'll definitely have you back uh, very soon talking more Moose Hockey here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks a lot, Huss. This was a blast. It was great to talk to you again. <laughs> Appreciate it. There he is, Dan Fink. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel the Fink. He is the play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Moose. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, cjob.com slash sports. If you want to listen to the game, Dan will have the call. And uh, we'll certainly have Dan back uh, with us here on the program.
Um, a couple things to get to. Um, you know, we're officially starting with Breezy Bend in a few days, but I wanted to do a quick golf report for Breezy coming out of what was a pretty wild weekend. Of course, Breezy Bend, Winnipeg. I mean, we've been there for a few years. Just an absolutely unbelievable private club, the best patio in golf, and uh, just an unbelievable membership group uh, run by Corey Johnson, a friend of ours who, for my money, might be the best GM of anything anywhere. Um, so if you're looking for a great spot this year to play, talk to Breezy Bend, breezybend.ca for more information, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there on the link. So two big things on the weekend. Um, you know, you had the we had the world match play going down, but honestly, I think the biggest story coming out of the golf weekend was what happened in Punta Cana. Um, you know, you got the top four or top 64 in the world playing at the Dell match play. And that was won by Billy Horschel, who um, I was surprised. He's now in the JB Holmes territory of, man, this guy takes forever. And I guess it doesn't really show as much when on a regular stroke play tournament. But yikes, man, when they're just two guys and you're taking 90, and two, 90 seconds and two minutes before every shot, it gets a little tedious. But hey. Props to Billy Ho. He won it. But Joel Damon winning in Punta Cana for his first first victory on tour. I, I think it really does say you, you can learn a lot about a person when they have some success or some really some success or something bad happens to them for the people that are, you know, supporting them. And, you know, Damon is a guy that had been, I don't want to call him a journeyman, but he's sort of really become an everyday PGA Tour player the last couple of years. And like so many of the guys on tour, had a long, long run to get there. And, you know, the the embrace he had with his wife yesterday, and if you've seen the piece on it, PGA Tour tweeted it out, talking about her working two jobs early on his career because he didn't have any money. And, you know, that the sacrifices that go on behind the scenes. I mean, not everyone is Colin Morikawa or, uh, you know, Matt Wolf coming right out of university and becoming stars and winning on the tour. Um, and Joel Damon, uh, and you saw whether it was Max Homa, all the guys on tour tweeting as if it, you know, it almost felt like it was their brother, a member of their family winning. So congratulations to him. That was, um, that was a heck of a way to, um, uh, to get your first win. And, um, you know, let you like my guy, Tony Fino, he won there waiting for one with the full field. We'll see what happens going forward. But uh, thanks to Joel Day or congratulations to Joel Damon. Thanks to Breezy Bend. Um, and of course, we're like less than two weeks away from the Masters, folks. I got Valero, Texas Open. I believe Corey Connors is 27 to 1. I saw our pal Gitch throwing a nickel on that one. We'll get to some odds from Cool Bet a little bit later on. Uh, but uh, lots of golf coming up in these next few weeks and hopefully a great summer out of Breezy Bend. Let's get Remus back in here. Remo, well, we covered a lot of ground with Ken Weeb and Dan Fink, and I think that was a great way to do the Monday show because there is so much going on with all of these teams, and we didn't even get to the ice who split their games on the weekend, uh, losing 7-4 to Swift Current and coming back with a big win over Moose Jaw last night at 4-1, ice at 6-3. and But, man, there's a lot of hockey talk and a lot of great hockey topics right now for us here on the program every day. Yeah, Jets, Moose, ice around the NHL. Uh, lots to get to. We're approaching the trade deadline April 12 at uh, 2 p.m. Central Time. So we'll be on here uh, for the trade deadline. So mark that in your calendar. But great to chat with Ch- Ken about the Jets. And, I mean, I don't think – and we talked a lot about Brossois, I know. But I don't think anyone's opinion of him uh, has changed after, you know, we can, he had a bad game. We're moving on. The team lost. Uh, you hope you can take two out of three here tonight. Great opportunity for that. Maybe you'd like to see a bit more. 
uh, from that second line for the Jets that had been so good for a bit. I mean, Kyle Connor, what, how many posts did he hit? He's had some great chances ripping uh, one tees uh, from his side. Uh, Daniel Fink, I know a lot of people asking about the moose in the chat. And shout out to everyone in chat. Uh, a lot of great comments in there. Uh, no uh, trolling going on in the last week or so. It's been it's been fantastic to uh, and a pleasure to moderate while you're talking with these guys. So we're talking with the Moose, you know, Perfetti. People want to know how he's doing. Uh, Vili Hainala as well. Dylan Sandberg. So lots to get to with the Moose. And uh, yeah, as far as the NHL goes, I did see Patrick Laine uh, trending oh. yesterday on Twitter. I wasn't exactly oh. sure why. I, I the main thing I saw was. That he hadn't scored a goal in a while. We know he's a streaky player. He can go on these slumps, and then he says, "You know what? I suck at hockey. I'm really bad." And the next thing, he goes out and scores <laughs> scores a hat trick. So uh, hopefully, he gets out of it. So you don't want to see a guy a guy fell. But um, you have to wonder, you know, what kind of players is he? A guy that needs to play with good players. And it's funny you look at you know since he's gone, the Jets' power play has just kept on, on humming. I think they're fourth in the league. Both units absolutely clicking. Right now, I mean, if it's not the first, it's been the second, and the second's time of taking a break. Now uh, you see Stasny and uh, and Shifley and Wheeler uh, going. So uh, I think as if you're a Jets fan, you're always going to keep an eye on what he's doing just because there's so much hype, and he gave us so many memorable moments here in Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, and I will echo Ken's state sentiments, and I'm not sure why anyone would have been you know, anti-Line. I mean, the guy did so much for the Jets while he was here. And, you know, for anyone that buys tickets and goes to games, gave us some of the most exciting moments, you know, for in Jets history, really, while he was here. Um, All that being said, you know, the trade was made. They did it for whatever reasons they did it. And right now, certainly, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois has got a really bright future here in Winnipeg. And, you know, it's sad to see, in my opinion, you know, what's happening in Columbus with, with Line A. It did give me a uh, – it did allow us to have a conversation on Saturday night, having a few and watching the game, Remo. Um, for, the, for those that still love Line A and, you know, would love to have him back, could we see in a few years a JVR-style return – as a free agent to Winnipeg. I mean, heck, if it's not going well anywhere else and he knows the support he had back here and the success he had here, again, that that opens up a whole can of worms as to why he was traded in the first place. But uh, there are a lot of Winnipeg people that would love to see him. Um, but most of us are, I think, following him, hoping things go well. And unfortunately, right now, for he and his team in Columbus, it's the exact opposite of going well. Yeah, I think for... Uh... For him, yeah, you want to see him do well. If would he return in the future? You know, maybe uh, near the end of his career. I don't think anytime soon. But Columbus, you know, they got off to that hot start. Rosovic was playing well. Did we just trade away, uh, or did the Jets just trade away a first line center? And now they've kind of cooled off. And there you have Columbus. They're sixth in the new Central Division, which is the most confusing Central Division I've ever seen. That has Carolina, Florida uh, in it as well, but and Tampa. So that's definitely a three very good teams there. And then Nashville now in fourth. They've gone on a bit of a run here, which is leading people to think, well, maybe Matthias Ekholm is not going to be available. So we will wait and see on that. Uh, Chicago, I think they've definitely been surprising with uh, Calder Trophy candidate Kevin Lincoln and backstopping them. So uh, Columbus, 
I, I think they're in action. Are they in action tonight, or was that that last night? I think I think that was last. That night. was yesterday when they yeah. lost their second straight to Detroit in regulation, with their se- season seemingly on the line. And oh, Torts! If you saw Torts's um, post game yesterday, the first two and a half minutes are, you know, probably you know he was v- holding back. And then some guy asked him about his challenge of a goalie interference challenge that didn't go his way. And then we got some vintage, vintage torts. I mean, he's like, nobody gives a shit about that. Why are you asking me about that today on this thing? He just, (laughs) (laughs) anyways, check out the, check it out. If you, if you'd like it, we've got some, I want to thank everyone in the chat. I know Remus, you did. I saw Travis in there and Mitch, of course, uh, the bullet. And our girl Taylor, Taylor, you will. I was thinking about you on Saturday night. I was first of all most happy for Logan Stanley to get his goal. Then I was happy for you because as we since we've started off, you have been Logan Stanley's biggest fan in here. So it was great to see. And Winnipeg Jets fan just told us that okay, NASCAR Bristol in the dirt race was rained out. It starts in forty five minutes. A great race than Jets hockey. Great way to spend a windy evening. Now Jets fan, if you're in there. Um, who's going to win? We've still got 45 minutes. We're going to be getting to some cool uh, cool bet lines in a moment. Uh, I did notice Kay Larson, a heavy favorite, plus 260. Uh, it's not the usual NASCAR guys at the top of the list. I do see Kyle Busch at 12 to 1, Chase Elliott 12 to 1. Uh, but Jets fan, if you have if you have a nice play for us on that, let me know. I'll throw a little sprinkle on that because um it's a good segue, Remo, as we get into our cool mm. bet daily lines tonight. And we've got, uh, let's see, what do we got? Six games, seven games in the league tonight. We'll start it off. <laughs> Jets, again, underdog, hello, even money, plus 100 going against Calgary. And actually, that's the lowest number they've been so far. They were plus 105 in the first game. In the second of back-to-backs, they were plus 115, the game that they lost. Now it's back to just even money, Calgary minus 118. And um, we also get to see, could this be the night, Reem, that the Buffalo Sabres finally break their 17-game losing streak? They're going up against the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. And uh, apparently someone's saying in the chat that Carter Hart's getting shut down for the next couple days. Sort of the equivalent of Jake Allen being told to, told to stay home a couple years back when the Blues came to Winnipeg and Phoenix Copley got the start. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and Philadelphia, I mean, they've made headlines the last couple weeks for giving up some you know, big games to the Rangers, eight goals against, nine goals against. I was looking at Dom's projections on the athletic. He has the Flyers at a 60% chance to win. Uh, I mean, if you just look at the odds, what are they, minus 200 favor right now. So it sucks to say it, but maybe there is some value here on Buffalo. I don't know if you could stomach that one, but the Flyers been a couple Flyer fans in chat. I know Jeff is in there, and I think Brandon Rookie as well would tell you, hey, uh, bet bet against the Flyers. They're not very good. So if you want to chase some value, sure, bet on the Sabres. Why, why the not? Flyers, the Flyers are um, in my bad books um, sort of through a connection. Um, the Although I guess in some ways they did save me the embarrassment. We did our partner parlay on the lock shop on Friday, and I had Buffalo. Sorry, I had Boston minus a goal and a half. Boston only won by this. Is the way the Sabers can screw your bet but still lose the game. That's what happened to me. But Chris Abbott from Cool Bet was on the Rangers to beat Philly, and then Elliot goes in, stops twenty four of twenty five, and they actually get a win. So they have been a thorn 
in the side as of late. Luckily, I had some big Aussie rules football picks this weekend, Remo, and in the worldwide of wagering, wide world of wagering pulled off at what has to be a first, a winning parlay. I really should post this on my Twitter, a winning parlay of the main event of UFC, Matt Kuchar in a world golf championship match, uh, a futsal game and a Finnish bandy game. And I'll be honest, I had to look up what futsal was, but uh, I think it's like floor soccer. Anyways, four for four, one of the great achievements in wagering history on the worldwide of wagering. And I'm pretty sure it's the first time that futsal, bandy, UFC, and PJ Tour Golf have ever been in one winning parlay at coolbet.com. But um, it gives us some, some things to achieve and aspire to going forward, as well as continuing picks down under on the Aussie Rules football. I've hit a parlay that's like three of, you know, baseball, basketball, hockey, football. I forget which ones. But when you hit a parlay like that, it does make you feel like a sports genius. Uh, You're feeling pretty good if you can get that many. Uh, We didn't really touch on UFC. It was a big heavyweight fight on the weekend. Stipe Miocic defending the heavyweight title against Francis Nagano. This Nagano, oh my God, is he a scary dude. He is enormous. He is massive. And it seems like he learned a lot since their first fight. Uh, a lot more patient. Um, you know, was he? Uh, Miocic went for the takedown early. He got stuffed. Uh, you know, didn't come out swinging. Picked his spots, and that was a brutal knockout. And a big shout out to Nagato. What started fighting what like five years ago, and now is the heavyweight champion uh, from Cameroon. Uh, incredible story. And I'm curious what's next. Will we see a super fight with John Jones, uh, who seems to be wanting to move up? Uh, he was tweeting after the uh, after the fight. We'll wait and see, but that was a, that was some awesome entertainment on Saturday night. Well, I, I love it, and oh, this is great. So Jets fan and Rad B, who I believe is a NASCAR guy as well, um, have cl- chimed in on this um, Dirt City event this afternoon, which we can still get in now. Uh, Winnipeg Jets fan likes Blarney. Let's see what's Blarney. Well, Blarney is fourteen to one. And Rad B likes Chase Elliott. And I am a Chase Elliott guy, even though I'm not a NASCAR guy. He's just when I bet on NASCAR, I usually bet on him. And, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. I didn't know whether this was a little different. But, guys, I'm going to sprinkle on both of these dudes and hopefully be thanking one of you tomorrow when we do the program. We'll hit the rest of our daily lines up uh, from CoolBet.com. We'll be tweeting them out from the Winnipeg Sports Talk account, including a great offer for a bonus if you want to play along with us. Um so, Reem, I actually will be checking out this race this afternoon. Give us something to do. Getting ready for another big show tomorrow, which we've kind of been holding off doing this, but tomorrow is the day to do it. Off day for the Jets. We'll, of course, break down the game. But cannot wait to have Keegan Matheson on to get ready for Blue Jays season. I would say more excitement about the Blue Jays this year than in a pretty long time, really dating back to those great runs in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. The Blue Jays have so many young hitters. Uh, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio. It's so funny how, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., funny how all these guys, sons of former Major League All-Stars, they had the big free agent signing and George Springer. We want to see what he can bring. I think the question for the Blue Jays is, what is their pitching going to be? Uh, Robbie Ray's been a reclamation project. Nate Pearson is the young arm throw. And, of course, Hunjin Ryu is the ace. And if those guys can all pitch very well, big F, uh, we'll see how how that goes. And I know Keegan has more information on the Blue Jays uh, than I can provide. So I'm looking forward to hearing hearing from him as what to expect from the Blue Jays. 
I think the Red Sox are, you know, they're going to have a down season. The Yankees, I think, are, are a powerhouse in the AL East, but there are two wild card spots now, and uh, the Blue Jays are definitely gunning for one of those. Oh, you know what? Uh, speak just back to UFC for a minute. Roderick Gordon um, has tweeted into the chat a true statement. Hus, you still owe me fifty bucks from the Diaz Masvidal fight. I believe that was made late night at Win City one night, and I haven't seen Rod since then through the pandemic. But that absolutely is Rod. Text me; I will e-transfer it for you, and then uh, the next time you see me at Win or wherever else, you won't be all over me. But that is true. We haven't uh, seen each other since. I was uh, all ready for... Who did I have? I think I had Masvidal, and he got punked by Diaz, if that's right. Or maybe it was the other way around. Regardless, I remember losing the fight, and I owe you 50 bucks. Um, what do you think about this game tonight? By the way, folks, in the chat right now, before we finish up, give us a prediction for tonight's game, and if you'd like, the, your highlight of the weekend. It can be sports-related. It cannot be sports-related. Those are always fun things to do as we mm. get on. But, uh, Remus, your thoughts about tonight's game, rubber match, Calgary-Winnipeg. Don't you want my sports highlight of the weekend? First? Well, I, I thought it was going to the uh, the zoo. But yeah, the, feel the free, zoo. feel free. You can non, you, you can get another one in. Yeah, non sports going to the zoo. Sports was the Naganu knockout. Uh, the Jets win on Friday was good too. Uh, I'm still rocking the Jets. They've been underdogs against Calgary every game. I've just bet against the bet for the Jets, uh, taking them on on DraftKings. Um, I think you know what? I think they're the better team than Calgary. I think they're good enough to take two of three. I think they're going to have a bounce back. They're going to have Hellbuck in goal for this one. They said it's the same lineup. They've been rocking the same lineup for a number of games in a row. I don't think that's happened very frequently for them in the past years with all the injuries. Uh, I'm going Jets. I think uh, value on the underdog. Excellent, excellent. They say, oh, Mike Wynn likes Kyle Larson this afternoon. Red B, Larson should rock it today. So, uh, geez, the first time ever we're getting some NASCAR chat in uh, in the chat with it being a Monday race. Um Yes, and Tyson Ducharme, I think I use seven bucks for an Xbox Golf Skins game, Huss. Yeah, we could, there'll be a few markers and wagers that are out there. We can just have them all together in the chat. Uh, Lol, let's see. Oh, yeah, it was Diaz Law. So I had Diaz, he had Masvidal. That makes sense. Um, Okay, Travis is on a Jets win. Justin says 4 0 Jets. 4 2 for the Jets. A lot of people think the Jets are going to score four goals. Maybe I'm just going to take the advice of the chat and take a team total of over three and a half for, uh, for our wager tonight, and I'll be able to thank everybody uh, everybody for that. But tomorrow, Reem, a full breakdown of tonight's Jets Flames game, and we get ready for Blue Jays season with Keegan Matheson. We'll certainly have another guest come on a little earlier with some more hockey talk. And then, uh, and then finally, this is officially the last game of the two weeks of 9 and 9.30 starts. I know there's been a lot of complaining about that. We're back at it 6.30 Wednesday as the Jets take on the Maple Leafs, and then they go at it again on Good Friday coming up at the end of the week. Yeah, big week of Jets. I think those Jets-Leafs games, uh, they're going to have that playoff feel, that big feel for the uh, first place in the North. But we've got to get through tonight. Uh, Jets-Flames, game three of this mini-series. Uh, again, I think the Jets will take this one. But the other game we want to keep an eye on is the early game. If you are into uh, watching hockey all night, Edmonton, Toronto, Edmonton back after their big layoff. They were so hot before. How will this layoff affect them? And for Toronto, former Jet Michael Hutchinson starting in goal. Oh, man. Over City on all McDavid props tonight. Um, I, they That was a terrible loss for Edmonton. I mean, they had lost three straight to Toronto. They had the entire week to get ready for it because of their off games. 
and they were up 3-1 with, I think, like eight minutes left in that third period. Toronto scores twice. They win in OT. Edmonton can play with the Leafs, but that would have really, really, I think, helped them. I mean, listen, they're both going to be in the playoffs, and you know, the only games that are really going to matter in the end is if they go head-to-head in the best of seven. Um, but, man, that was uh, from an Oilers side of things. I was listening to Dusty and the guys in the morning. It was uh, certainly changed the tone of the morning show in Edmonton today, considering what uh, what had happened. Um, back into it uh, in the chat just before we go. Gregory Liverpool, sports highlight of the weekend was UCLA almost blowing it versus Alabama in the final seconds in regulation. Terrible thing about that was I had Bama plus five and a half. They sink a three in the last second to put it to overtime and then lose by eight. Um, If you had the over, you were happy about that. You weren't happy if you were in my position. But um, overall, Dan Milbert, Jets uh, 5-3. Highlight has to be Stanley's goal. Long time coming. I think he is in the lineup for a while. Uh, Dizzle dizzle Pizzy, Jets 3-0 going into the third period. Win 3-2 in a frantic last-minute stand. Now that sounds a bit like the hockey team that we cover all along. You got to get it done one way or the other. Um, Gary Medeiros, I want Edmonton to finish first and Jets Leafs in second, third, just so the Jets can knock them out in the first round. That that will be. And then David F., when do you guys start giving out advice on the most important sports wagering around the Tim's Hockey Challenge? We will get to that. We'll get to everything going forward. Um, but we will tweet out the lines for tonight's games from cool bet on Twitter at Winnipeg sports talk. And uh, Reem, did we get to 3.4 K today? Yeah. I want to give a shout out to everyone in chat, especially uh, Travis, who is uh, the chat hype man. Uh, we did hit a big milestone today on YouTube, 3,400 subscribers in less than a month. Uh, it's, the support's been very incredible. So thank you everyone who's there in chat, who's liked the video, uh, the subscribers, the likes, it really helps us in terms of, uh, in terms of YouTube and if you want to follow us on other social medias, we could use a couple more on Instagram, uh, Sports Talk WPG, Facebook as well, uh, Sports Talk WPG. So uh, the links are in the description of the video or WinnipegSportsTalk.com if you're listening on the podcast. All the links are on that website. So uh, the support has been awesome. And I, I guess we want to, I, before we sign off, us, I do say I wanted to read, we get notes all the time from listeners. And yes. uh, people who tune in. We had that great one from Chris Kaufman who uh, did a yeah. tweet out about going and supporting the uh, the DQ on St. Anne's thanks to their support yeah. of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, and this Scott Johnson uh, DM me on Twitter. And I don't know, Scott, but he said, Remus, you are fantastic on your new show. I tune in to listen to you, not Hustler. You have a, ne- a unique voice that is captivating. Keep it up. I thought he was this. I'm like, Scott, I don't know if you're serious or not here. But but thank you. So has, don't worry, don't worry about that one. <laughs> I love I thought, it. I love it. I thought this guy was uh, was pulling my leg, but he said, "I assure you, I am not just telling the truth." But yeah, thank you, Scott. For hey, the you know what? Whatever gets them into the room, as long as they stick around, enjoy it, and stay with us, that's great. Scott, yeah. listen, I it, it absolutely no offense taken. It's great to have Remus has a lot of fans. We need them in here too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll take anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I got a few texts as well from uh, some listeners and uh, and great friends. Pitt Turan as well of Aikens Lake, and we're going to be doing some stuff with Aikens. Cannot wait to get out to Aikens Lake later on this um, this summer. 
Um, it, I mean, the most incredible fishing lodge here in Winnipeg, and you can really get out on the lake about 90 minutes door to door, and you fly out of Silver Falls. But it's a real special place. They, like so many other businesses, have been really hurt through the pandemic with a ton of American business. So if you're thinking about a nice little staycation or doing something here locally, think about Aikens Lake. You can check them out online. But Pitt went back to the DQ on St. Anne's this weekend and sent me a message saying, uh, tell Nick and Nikki their ads are working. It was great to get back to DQ. He went with the peanut buster parfait, then got a box of the dilly bars. And I will say this, Reem, from all the stuff that Nick dropped off a little while ago, I'm going through it at maybe a lit, little too rapid a rate, unfortunately. But my number one thing that I I don't think I'd ever tried before, not the dilly bar, not the sandwich, but the buster bar. It's a much bigger ice cream thing with the nuts, the caramel, and the chocolate on it. I don't know how I went through my life without ever having one of those Buster Bars. I have a box of Dilly Bars in my freezer that Nick dropped off. They are a great pregame or in-game snack for, for Jets games. Very, uh, the ice cream in there is very high quality. Oh, speaking of DQ, I think DQ Nick's actually in the chat right now, making the, enjoying yeah. the uh, the hat. Thanks again to the peg for dropping those off. He so, said, um, "I'm the star of the show." For the record, anyways, <laughs> the, yeah, it is. It is without a doubt, without a doubt. And um, uh, well, listen, uh, one day just for fun, I'm going to start recording on my end some of the goings on at the Winnipeg S uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Command Center before the show. And that will probably be the thing that actually inevitably gets me to really learn how to master video editing and all that, because this will be wonderful and it's not going to be something that Remus is going to want to put together himself. So that'll be a project to get to a little, uh, a little going forward, but uh, Remo anyways, amazing a show again. Thanks to Ken Weeb and Daniel Fink for joining us. We'll talk Jays, Jets, Flames, and much more tomorrow. Um, and in the meantime, folks, especially to all you still and so many people right till the end, Thanks so much. If you're listening on the podcast, do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating and a little review wherever it is you're getting your podcasts. And um, other than that, just spread the word. Help us uh, get some more people subscribing on YouTube as we grow this thing. And uh, great Monday, Reem. We're on to week four and looking forward to a big show tomorrow. Yeah, this is awesome. Again, tomorrow, tune in. We'll have a, a full recap of the Jets game, of course, but also a big Blue Jays season preview. I know there's a lot of baseball fans in chat. Uh, excellent and I uh, oh, love the DQ chat Tyson Duchar my guy grew up on Dilly Bars lol and it shows well yeah. <laughs> Tyson's the best hey everybody thanks for hanging out with us we gotta go get these pods up for people driving home this afternoon enjoy the hockey game tonight again don't forget I'll be jumping on with Sean Reynolds and Ken Weeb on the Kenny and Rennie account sometime after midnight tonight they're good friends. I don't mind doing it for them. Um, but anyways, that'll be tonight. So check out, join us there. And whatever you do, make sure you're back here tomorrow, 1 o'clock, live on YouTube and your podcast feed later on in the afternoon. Talking Jets and all things important to Winnipeg sports fans right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night and enjoy the game. Oh, my God. Oh! 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 Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.